Amen. Amen. Those of you that came expecting some sort of nice Easter play, that was it. Amen. That's what you're getting today, amen? amen? Listen, I know some of you are new. You're just visiting because it's Easter. And some of you are just giving us your Easter visit. And that's fine. I want to welcome you, amen? amen? But I know that today I have a unique opportunity to speak into your lives and I don't want to waste it. See, you are valuable to us, and I want to take this opportunity to plant a word in your heart that I trust that God will do what He needs to do with it. Amen? Amen. The Word of God says in John 12, 46, I have come into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. I need you to hear that loud and clear today, because I know it might not be what you expected to hear in church today. As a matter of fact, if you're not used to this church thing, it's probably what you least expected to hear today. Jesus did not come to judge you. Come on, relax now. You can relax. You were expecting to just have all this guilt thrown upon you today, to have all this condemnation hit you with. You expected a lot of word to come and fall heavy on you so you can feel bad and feel guilty, but at least you can leave, go have your Easter lunches and say, at least I made it to church, amen? amen. I feel guilty as hell now, but at least I made it to church. Can you go relax today? We're not here to judge you, we're here to love you. See, it's so easy for us to get this twisted view of Jesus. This twisted view of church. A, a disconnected view of God. Some people th talk about God as if is, he, He's this miserable tyrant. This grumpy old man who's just sitting around looking over at the edge of heaven. Looking to see who's having any fun so he can play angry birds with our lives. Looking to find anybody that's having any fun so he can say, Thou shalt stop. But can I tell you today, nothing could be further than the truth. At the center of God's being, God is full of joy, He's full of love, He's full of delight, He's full of happiness, and He wants us to share in that. The only thing narrow or negative about God is sometimes His followers. <laughs> People talk as if heaven is going to be this miserable place full of smug, self-righteous, uptight people who sit around strumming harps and, and talking to each other in King James English. But the Word of God gives us such a different picture of the kingdom of God. 
And for this Easter, for Easter this year, I want to do a two-part thing. Today, this Sunday, I want to tell you a story. And then next Sunday, I want to show you that story. Amen? Is that a trick to get you to come back next week? But don't tell nobody. Keep that between us. I just believe it's important to be part of a church. If it's not this church, you need to be part of a healthy church. I don't care where it is, as long as it's a healthy church, amen? As long as they're preaching the word, and they're not just tickling you where you itch, and not just telling you what you need to hear, amen? American Idol would be a lot less, a lot less entertaining if, if people would just tell people the truth, say, and Manita, you can't sing. <laughs> right? Just stop. Okay? Play an instrument, maybe. But baby, it's bad. If we just told each other the truth, amen? So, okay, the story that I want to tell you is found in Matthew 22. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can look. If not, we're going to throw it up on the, on the screen for you to follow along. I want you to understand, this is Jesus speaking, and he's sharing a parable. Now, a parable is a story that's not necessarily a true life event. It's a story. It's a way that Jesus uses to share some deep spiritual points and and it it, it it it's meant to speak to his followers not just careless eavesdroppers see if those jesus will tell a story in a parable because he wants those that are really hungry those that are really after him to to dig deep and they'll understand the story. If anybody else is just passing by and they hear Jesus tell this story, they'll just listen to it and they'll be like, good story, bro. Right? It's meant for those that are, that, are, that are following, those that are after him. Amen? But, so these parables, they can speak to us. And, they, and, 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 and every time we listen to a parable, you have to ask yourself two questions. What would this mean to the people he was speaking to? And what did this mean to us? What could this mean to me? Okay, so I want you to kind of go in with that, with that, those questions in mind. Here's, here's the, the scripture, Matthew 22. It says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come now to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and they went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and he destroyed the murderers and he burned down their city. And then he said to the rest of his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants, they went out into the roads and they gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. And so the wedding hall was filled with guests. Let me get Dominican on you real quick. That's how I not that heavy. Amen. So let's break it down. Let's break it down because I believe there's something in there for us, for you, amen, for me. 
I want you to remember this dialogue is taking place. Jesus is, is, is giving this dialogue during the week that we call Holy Week, right? It's the week that's leading up to this day, Resurrection Sunday. And this is a week that's reverenced all over the world. There's some people who don't take this, this week or this time leading up to it lightly. It's a time of, of Lent. They, they give extra services. They walk around the city with ash on their foreheads. They'll spend more time reading the Word. They'll, they'll watch the Bible series on the History Channel. They'll try not to eat meat on Fridays. Try. There, there's a lot of reverence, or religious you know, reverence going on during this time. There's also a lot of hypocrisy going on during this time. I told you guys last week, one of my pet peeves is people that want to get all religious on, on one, in one area or on one day. And that area or that day has no effect on the rest of their lives. I'm sorry to tell you, but if the ash on your forehead doesn't serve to humble you, then you're just walking around with a dirty forehead. If the change in your diet on Friday doesn't challenge you to change other areas in your life, then you should have had a smash burger. Because that kind of religion, it does nothing for you, and it does even less for those around you that are watching you. Come on, can we get open today? And that's exactly the picture that Jesus is painting in this parable. Let's, let's break it down and get the symbolism out of the way. A king was throwing a banquet for his son. Who's the king? Who's the son? You guys are clever, man. This, this is a spiritual bunch right here. Come on, that was obvious. Stevie Wonder could see that. This, 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 uh, uh, all right, so the king, the king, right, is God, the son is Jesus, and, and so, and, and those of you, my theologians in here, this is not referring to the wedding supper of the lamb that we read about in Revelations, where the church is the bride, but it's preparing for that. Okay, so the king sent his servants out to call those that were invited to the wedding feast to come. I need you to understand, they had already been invited, Right? It says carefully that the king sent servants out to call those that were invited to come to the wedding feast. Let me help you understand. During those times, what they did and we still do today is they sent out a save the date. How many of you ever got one of those? Oh, you've done that, right? They, they send out a save the date. What's a save the date? That's not the invitation. It's just to let you know that there's a, a time coming in the near future that we want you to be ready for. There's a wedding feast coming. We're, we're sending this because we want you to be ready. Those that are spiritual, you should be excited already. We, we don't want you to have any excuses when the day comes. So the save the date is telling you save this date. Sometimes they send it months in advance, sometimes even a year before, you'll get a save the date. It's just so that you can have time to prepare, time to get yourself ready, time to do what you have to do so that the date doesn't catch you by surprise. The point of a save the date is that so that so that time comes, you'd be ready. Oh, come on. So they had already been invited, and what they did in that time, once they sent out a save the date, then once the wedding feast was ready, which would usually take place at night in, the, in, the, in that time, then they would send the servants out, 
and tell what you already should have been getting dressed, right? You're already ready to go. You knew that it's tonight. You knew that it's a wedding for you. They used to party for seven days. How I many you know that's a party? It's that kind of party, amen? Seven days. And so you knew that time was coming. You were getting yourself ready. When that day came, he would, the king would send out servants, and the servants would go and knock on the door and say, Hey, the feast is ready. It's time to party. Come. Amen? So the time is come. So it says in this case that the invited, they didn't want to come. And this was a picture of the Jewish people of that time. The leaders that were even now gathered around Jesus plotting how they're going to kill him. So the, the Old Testament, let's break it down. The Old Testament was the save the date. They, they told God's people, the Jewish nation, that there's going to be a wedding feast. And all throughout the history, they, 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 they sent out the save the date. They said, listen, there's a Messiah coming. And he's going to do this. And he's going to do that. And he's going to be like this. And he's going to come like this. And he's going to come through here. He's going to come from there. And the save the date had all the information about the bridegroom that was going to come. And when the Messiah came and started fulfilling all these prophecies that were on the save the date, the servants Jesus is talking about here is probably John the Baptist, the disciples, the apostles, right? The king sent them out and said, okay, tell them dinner's ready. Tell them to come meet the bridegroom. But the Jewish people, they would not come meet the groom because they didn't recognize the groom. You still with me? Two of you good. Amen, I'm glad you're here. The parable tells us then that the king sent other servants to call. So he sent some servants. The servants went out and said, come. And people said, no, nah, man, I'm busy. I ain't going. And so the king sent out other servants to call them saying, well, you don't understand. Everything is ready. The choice meats have been prepared. The table has been set. Everything is ready. It's time for you to come. I love that because, listen, that's such a picture of grace. God sent other servants. Sometimes we don't listen to the messengers that God sends us the first time. Anybody say amen? amen? How many messengers did it take to get some of us here today? For how many years? How many years of messages, how many years of servants have you refused? Have you ignored? How many years of, of, of servants have come to you saying, man, you just need to come to my church, man. You just need to know God, man. You just need, you know, and those people that we go to when we have issues, when we got problems, when we're struggling, and, and those, those servants that tell us, man, you just got to trust in God, man. You, I wish you would just come with me. And you say, I would, man, but I work Sundays. I would, man, but Sunday's the only day I can sleep in. I would, man, but I'm real busy Saturdays. I'm real, and Sunday's my only, my only day off. No, Sunday, and you've been giving excuses and excuses. How many messengers? Mm. So these servants, they were, they were a picture of the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists that had been sent out to God's people. If you're a part of this church, how many servants, I wonder, had to risk rejection and humiliation to get you to come? I want to tell you today, I'm just one of the other servants today. So Jesus says, but even after the other servants came to them, they paid no attention and they went about their business. Some even turned to the messengers and treated them harshly. Some even killed them. You know the expression that we say, don't kill the messenger? That comes from the word of God. Did you know that? 
Don't kill the messenger. It was a picture of how historically they treated the prophets of God. Okay, so the story goes on. The king grew angry and he sent an army to destroy the murderers and burn down their city. Many historians and commentators believe that that was, happened in 70 AD when Jerusalem was totally destroyed. So then in the parable, the king says to the servants, All right, the wedding feast is ready, but those that were invited were not worthy. So go out into the streets and invite as many as you can. I love this part because that's where my invitation came. In case you haven't noticed, I'm not the Jewish pastor here. Amen? I'm, I'm the Gentile pastor. So, so my invitation came here when, when the king says, Go out into the streets and invite as many as you can. Get, get everybody that I want the wedding feast to be full. Amen? So the king says, go out and invite everybody. And the servants gathered everybody. The word says, both good and bad. And the wedding feast was full. And that's, that's a picture of the Gentiles. The Jewish nation refused. And God invited the Gentiles. And, and you know there must have been a lot of Hispanics. Because they told them there was a party coming. And everybody came. The wedding place was full. Amen. invited all the which symbolized listen the non-religious some were good some were bad some were foolish some were liars some were fornicators some were living all kinds of alternative lifestyles the good and the bad he said invite everybody I wonder why do you think he said invite everybody could it be maybe the king didn't want to leave it up to the servants to decide who should come and who shouldn't come. Could it be maybe that, that the king would know that if it was up to us, we'd, we'd invite the neighbor from the third floor, but the neighbor from the sixth floor, she's not going to get an invite. She's a bochinchetta, I ain't invited her nowhere. Right? Could it be, right, that we would decide who's good and who's bad? We'd, we'd go and, and get the, the viejito that always gets the newspaper, we'd invite him. But the two thugs that are hanging out in the same corner store, they're not going to get an invite. The king says, go invite everybody. Everybody. Probably God didn't want us judging who would, who, who would is good and bad. Amen? So the Jewish nation got invited. They didn't accept but to, to, to be a part of the wedding feast, but the Gentile came and they filled that place up. Now, if the parable ended there, this would be a great story. Cut and dry, plain and simple. It'd be easy preaching. I can look at everybody in the face and I can say, you're invited. And you're invited. And your mama's invited. And your father's invited. And, and that derelict that you used to date, he's invited. And, and that no good for nothing uncle of yours, he's invited. And praise God, you're invited. And you're invited. And, and that's good preaching, amen? But the story doesn't end there. Here's the problem. The parable is not over. Verse 11, it says, so the place is full, right? Everybody is like this. It's a packed house. But the king comes in to look at the guests, verse 11, and he saw that there was a man with no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, 
bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen many were invited but few will be included so think about that because that bothered me for a long time the king invites people off the streets People from the highways and byways, those, those people weren't a part of this, this Jewish culture. They didn't know what would be a good wedding garment. What would, they didn't have that same culture. They didn't have the proper things to wear to something like this. This poor man did not have the proper wedding garment. And the king asked him, how'd you get in here like that? No answer, no excuse. He didn't know what to say. So he had him tied up, hand and foot, and thrown into darkness. Listen, people see the church like that. Churches invite everybody, right? Everybody's welcome. The whosoever's, the you's and me's. And then they get upset because we didn't dress right. Because we didn't come correct. Because we didn't know how to act in a place like this or at an occasion like this. And spiritually, they tie us up and they throw us out like soprano style. What a great Easter story. Good job, Pastor. Here's what you need to know about that culture for this to make any sense. How many of you know things aren't always what they seem? Are you ready? You ready for this? I researched these big wedding feasts. And it was customary in that time of these people, especially when it was a rich wedding from a king's family, that all the men had to wear a kittle, a white robe. In biblical times, the kittle was worn by all the men attending the wedding. In some Jewish weddings today, the groom still wears a kittle. Pure, spotless white robe. Here's the awesome part. The kittle was generally provided by the king. Come on, let that hit. I let it. It's still circling around some of your heads. The white robe was provided by the king. So you would show up at this wedding in your very best, man. You'd put on the best, whether it was the best jeans and t-shirt you had. Or the, you know, $500 DKNY suit. Like mine. <laughs> You're right. But you put the best that you had, right? You, and you'd, as presentable as you can make yourself, but before entering the actual wedding feast, the king would provide for you a white robe to throw over your clothes. So that everyone in the wedding feast would be clothed with a pure and spotless robe. Because you could come as correct as you could in your own strength, but for a royal wedding, that wasn't going to be enough. You needed to have on the pure and spotless white robe in honor of the sun. Oh. See, the bad were invited to the feast, but they weren't allowed to remain bad. The liars couldn't keep lying. The cheaters couldn't keep cheating. They were made fit for the feast by the kittle of the king. 
Oh, come on. Come on. They were made presentable by the provision of the king. The sinners were made sinless. The broken were made whole. The dirty were made clean. The shamed were forgiven. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast where the religious were uninvited and the unworthy were made righteous. Oh, man. So what about this man that was thrown out? I want you to understand the picture. Jesus was saying, you could do your very best to present yourself to the king. You could clean up as, 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 as clean as you can get in your own strength, but your good works will be like filthy rags, the word says. If you could clean up on your own, we wouldn't have to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. If we could be good enough on our own, we wouldn't have a mention of Easter. It wouldn't be a good Friday. It would just be up to us to do the best that we can, to be the best people that we can, to do the right things all the time, and to live sinless lives. Amen? So for this man, why didn't he talk back and give an excuse? Because there was no excuse. The man is a common picture of those of us who say, and I'm sorry if I step on any toes today, I mean, I'm not, but, you know. It's a picture of those of us who say, I'm a good person. I do good things. Right? My, my good things outweigh my bad. Anybody ever had that kind of... I get, you know, I, I help people. Anybody heard that one? I help people. I'm a good person. If I see people on the street, I give that bum a dollar. A dollar. I know some of you give quarters. I give that man a dollar. I'm a good person, right? I go to church on Easter and Christmas. I get ashes on my head on, on that good, uh, whatever that Wednesday or something. I try not to eat meat on Friday. I mean, I try, you know, sometimes I slip. I try. I don't hurt nobody. But the question is, who are we comparing ourselves to? Isn't it funny that we compare ourselves to the lowest, like the, the guy that's locked up for life? Well, like, he kills people. <laughs> I don't know. Right? That dude's doing 25 to life. That's not me. I'm a good person. I help people. The truth of the matter is, family, you and I have no excuse as well. And here's the beautiful part, because everything needed to make ourselves presentable has already been provided. Can you just grab that right now? Everything you've ever needed to make yourself prevent, pre presentable to God, everything that you have ever needed to make yourself righteous, what's righteousness? Righteousness is just being right with God. Does anybody just want to be right with God today? We're not talking about being some religious crazy fanatics. We're just talking about being right with God. I want to walk through this world. I want to live my life being right with God. I want to know that, that if God wants to talk to me, He can talk to me. I want to know that if He wants to interrupt my day, He can interrupt my day. I, I, I want to know that if when the bad things happen, because Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. I just want to know that I got somebody to talk to. I want to know that I got somebody to lean on. I want to know that I can turn back and say, God, this is rough. 
I didn't count on this happening, God. I didn't count on this sickness. I didn't count on this unemployment. I didn't count on this, God. But, but I'm trusting in you, God. That's the righteousness of God. We can be right with God today because God has provided everything that you need to make yourself presentable. The white robe is a picture of the righteousness of God. We, we read in the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New that Jesus is our righteousness. He's our covering. Listen, in Isaiah 61.10 it says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Do you, see, do you see the picture now? Do you see what makes this such an amazing resurrection message for us today? Jesus took upon the dirtiest of our sins, the things that we haven't told anybody. Worship team, you guys can come. Let's give them hope. The secrets that nobody knows. The lowest of our humanity, and he nailed it to the cross with his body so that it would stay there. He died so that it can die. And the good news is today, you know, He is risen. <laughs> and because of that, everything that you need to make yourself ready has been provided for. Jesus, our righteousness. Listen, family, when all the religions of the world are stripped down to their basic tenets, we either find man working his way towards God or we find the cross. John 14, 6 says the cross is the only way to salvation. Jesus said, nobody comes unto the Father but through me. So my family, my friends, those of you visiting for the first time, those of you giving us that awesome Easter visit, I want to tell you today, save the date. I want to give you another save the date today. And the truth of the matter is, you don't ever have to come back to this church, but there's a wedding banquet coming. I said, there's a wedding banquet coming. Yeah. Revelation says, there's a wedding banquet coming. You don't ever have to come back here. But here's where you messed up. Because you came today, you've been invited. <laughs> you got to save the date. It's in your mind. That, I want that image imprinted in your mind. Save the date. Formal invitation to follow. You've been invited. And you could choose to explain this away. You could choose to write this off. But you just got the save the date card delivered personally. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't true, I wouldn't tell you that. But I go now so that I can come back and bring you to myself. Pastor Gary, come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to this invitation right here and right now. Jesus. Here in the presence of God, hallelujah. as God is dealing with your heart. So I'm going to ask everyone if you could just stand for a minute. And I believe there are some of you here that you've heard about Jesus, you've been to church, and maybe church has been a bad experience for you, but your heart is not right with him. He's not, he's not the one that you walk with every day. But there's an invitation going out to you. Maybe you got drugs in your pocket. Maybe you woke up this morning laid out over a toilet because you were out clubbing all night and now you're in church. The invitation is for you. You could have been a murderer. Jesus said, whosoever will come Jesus didn't come to judge you he came to save you his arms are wide open I'm sorry if it's been your experience in church of people judging you and pointing fingers they have misrepresented the true heart of God he's a God that loves you and he says come as you are and he'll take away all the regrets of the past. Everything that you hate about yourself. All the failure. All the sin. And every place where, where you think that you're ugly and unworthy. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of that. So that he could exchange, give you the perfect sinless life. And for those who would respond today, there's a new beginning for you. All of your past washed clean. And you could know that if you, even if you died right now, you'd appear in one of those mansions in heaven. You'd be prepared and ready for the wedding feast. Or maybe there are some here, you used to walk with God. Maybe there was a time you couldn't wait to get to church. But things have happened, and you've wandered away from the faith. And it's not an accident that you're here. You think that you came for an Easter service, but the Bible says nobody shows up unless the Spirit of God draws them. You have been duped by the Spirit of God. You thought you came because your wife dragged you today. But God has drawn you or you wouldn't be here. So I'm going to give an invitation right now. I'm not giving an invitation to join the church. That's between you and God. You're all welcome here. Every one of you is welcome to be part of us. But that's not what this invitation is. This is an invitation straight from heaven. I want to be one of those servants that went out in the highways and byways to compel them to come in. 
So if you've never done this before, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, made him your heavenly bridegroom who passionately will love you, provide for you, defend you, or if you have done this before, you used to know God, you used to pray, you used to love to worship, and you're saying, I'm coming back today. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand before God if that's you. Amen. And those raising your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer. And then I'm, we're going to pray for you. And then you could go get your, your Easter bunnies and your food. But we got food to give you that you're not going to find out there. So if you can just repeat this prayer, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my Messiah, my Bridegroom. I repent of my sins. And I receive your cleansing, your healing, your restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's we're having a party now. Because Pastor Ephraim, you know what the Bible says? That when even one person says, I'm gonna show up at the wedding, that all the angels in heaven rejoice. It's party time! It's party time in heaven! Can we join in the party right now? Let's begin to worship! Why? Because He's alive! He has risen from the grave! And He's here to bless you! He's here to save you! Come on, worship Him! time hallelujah if you said that prayer 
I, I pray that you would just pursue this God because I'm telling you that he's going to be hard in pursuit after you. You know? He's the type of God that nothing stands in his way when he wants to get to your heart. But come on, let's leave this place celebrating. Jesus, come on. You guys can leave whenever you want. You guys are blessed and will be a blessing today.